we are the descendants of 40 million people who left other countries, other familiar scenes, to come here to the United States to build a new life. I think it is not a burden, but a privilege. Welcome to Statutes of Liberty, an immigration podcast brought to you by Classco Immigration Law Partners. Welcome to our podcast on COVID-19 travel-related restrictions. My name is Karuna Simbek. I'm an associate at the firm. I am joined by Elise Volkowski, a partner at the firm. Also joining us today is Jessica Denisi, an associate at the firm, who handles our global immigration practice. Elise, so let me start with you. How is international travel during this year different from prior years? Um, International travel is incredibly different this year. Um, We've faced challenges due to the pandemic and COVID-19 globally. Um, The U.S. is impacted, but almost every country in the world is impacted at this point. Many countries uh, shuttered um, and literally closed all operations in the beginning of the pandemic. Um, Many countries um, are trying to slowly reopen their embassies and consular functions to allow visa applications and travel. Um, But a lot is very much dependent upon the pandemic and the virus spikes. Um, While in the last couple of weeks, uh, we saw um, many uh, consulates and embassies Um, reopen and restart operations due to very recent spikes, we're also seeing closures. Um, The the situation is very much in flux. So Jess and I really wanted to talk to everyone um, on this special holiday edition because we've been getting incredible number of questions about holiday travel. We can understand how everyone really wants to go home and see their family or people now want to travel to the U.S. as they have been stuck for a long time. But there are still risks in traveling. And Jess and I really want to go through those risks. So the first thing I guess I would note is we'd like everyone to not only listen to our podcast today, but think about some other podcasts that we have already recorded that are very related. Um, so we have a companion episode. It's episode 15, Who Can Travel to the U.S. Right Now? Um, so that really goes in depth into U.S. inbound travel. We'll touch upon uh, some of the latest developments, but that's going to give you a lot of great information. Um, so what are we seeing now? We're seeing a number of travel bans, not only in the U.S., um, but also globally. Uh, Jess, do you want to kind of talk about uh, some of the bans that you're dealing with and what you're seeing globally? Because I know that you really kind of lead the firm's global immigration practice. Um, and we'll talk about global bans as well as uh, U.S. bans and difficulty traveling. Yeah, um, I think the important thing with with global travel is that it, it varies from country to country. So um, no matter where you're planning on going, you should check. Uh, the country's website to see what the restrictions are and if you can even get in. Um, Generally speaking, um, countries are allowing citizens, permanent residents, and um, direct relations of citizens or permanent residents to come in and out um, no matter what. Um, And then um, a lot of places are allowing for, um, you know, non-discretionary travel, travel for business, things like that. Some countries are more restrictive. 
You should plan to quarantine though, wherever you go. Um, that's a universal requirement. And you should plan to provide contact information. Um, some places have really heavy fines too, if you fail to quarantine or if you don't have the proper paperwork. Um, in Canada, you can spend up to six months in jail and pay um, three quarters of a million dollars. Um, you know, other places it's, it's a few thousand pounds. It, it just, it varies from country to country. Yeah, so it, it, and that's really helpful. And I, I think our best advice is really um, it, there is a risk in traveling, number one. Um, so, but if you are considering traveling, um, I, I think you need to do your homework um, and realize that things can change with absolutely no notice um, whatsoever. So you could perhaps be stuck abroad. Um, I also want to go a little bit into the issues we're seeing right now about people coming into the U.S. Um, so in the United States, we still have um, country-specific bans. So anyone who has been in the Schengen area, in the U.K., China, or Brazil, um, in the, the 15 days prior to travel to the U.S. is banned. Um, and in order to come to the United States, they will need to either go to a third country um, for the, the two-week period, um, or um, they will need to get a national interest exemption waiver to get into the United States. And normally those NIEs, national interest exceptions, uh, must be applied um, through the U.S. consulates um, abroad. Um, it is not necessarily easy to get those exceptions, um, and they can either be denied or take a very long time to get. Um, so there is a risk in um, coming to the United States, at least in terms of initial travel. But what we're very concerned about is we have a lot of folks currently in the United States on visas who are really thinking of traveling and going back home. Just because you have a current visa does not mean that you may not be banned from coming back to the U.S. We have to think not only about the, the, the specific visa travel bans, but country-specific bans. Um, in terms of you know, other bans um, worldwide and globally, Jess is absolutely right. Generally, U.S. citizens um, are free to travel into the United States and in other countries. For the most part, um, citizens are able to travel as well as some green card holders and permanent residents. But Jess, do you want to talk about some interesting issues with Australia as well? Because I think that doesn't fit the mold. Yeah, Australia actually um, has, has done a good job of combating um, COVID, perhaps because they're so restrictive on who can come in and out. Um, there's um, restrictions and requirements that have to be met to leave the to leave Australia, to travel to the U.S., for example, and, and to come back in. Um, so even just to leave, uh, you need to fall into a specific exemption. And, and it does include work-related travel and a travel for essential purposes, um, but but you have to apply for and get a waiver even to leave the country, um, much less come back in. Right. So Jess is helping me with a, a case right now where we're trying to get someone into the United States um, for an urgent issue. 
um, at a manufacturing facility. But not only are we dealing with the U.S. travel bans, we've got to deal with the restrictions in Australia. Um, so we really are seeing this as a time where we're not only dealing with U.S. immigration law, but we're really dealing with global issues. Um, so, it, Jess, what about um, families um, and uh, family restrictions? I think that's another one of our concerns as well um, in terms of um, individuals who may be here on valid work visas um, traveling outside the United States while their families are here. Um, yeah, travel outside of the U.S. I mean, I think one of the problems that that we're seeing is, you know, if someone travels abroad, they can't come back in. The family may fall out of status, um, you know, when the, the visas are linked together um, and the primary person leaves. Um, you have to plan ahead for what would happen if they can't get back for the people that are left behind. We're very concerned because um, sometimes we have individuals traveling abroad and they may face issues coming back and then the the company may end the assignment or the like um, or we may not actually be able to extend the various visas if the dependents are in the United States um, and the principal is not in the U.S. and the visas are expiring, we may not be able to extend them um, in their current status. Um, and we do have spouses like dependent spouses may in fact have work authorization. They may not be able to get an extension of a visa status with work authorization. And there's even a risk that they would not be able to extend um, into a visitor visa status. Um, particularly, we have concerns about family members that have dependents here who are going to school as well. So there's a lot of consideration. It's not just worrying about the, the principal applicant traveling, we always have to think about the family members as well. Um, this also applies um, not only for people who currently have visas and have family in the U.S. We're currently dealing with an issue where we're trying to get an executive into the United States um, to actually deal with COVID vaccines. And he wants to come in with his family members, um, but he is subject to um, various bans, including a country-specific ban as well as an L-Visa ban. Um, and he would love for his family to come in, um, but his kids are currently in school. Um, even if we get his national interest exception ban through and a waiver of the country and L-Ban, they're generally only being issued for a period of 30 days at this point. Um, and that puts the family members in a very difficult situation, particularly the kids who need to finish school. So it's there's a lot of uh, issues here in terms of travel. And we need to consider not only the principal applicant, but the family as a whole. So Elise, um, let me ask you, with so many employees working from home right now, do they need to stay in the United States? Couldn't they pick up and go to, say, Aruba and just work remotely from there? What happens if they travel to meet with family over the holidays and get stuck? Yeah. So that's an excellent question. And honestly, with the storm brewing, I wish I could go to Aruba. <laughs> well. um, so we get this question a lot as well, particularly because everyone is working remotely. Um, from the perspective of our corporate clients, this could be difficult. Um, 
even though the employees are working remotely, um, if they pick up and they work in another country, there can be several issues. Um, many of our clients are worried about tax issues. Um, it's called a permanent establishment issue, um, where if one of their employees is in a certain location for a certain threshold period of time, uh, there could be tax implications to our uh, client companies. So we always recommend that they partner with tax counsel. There could be employment law implications as well at the particular site, depending upon the country and the rules in that country as well. Um, in addition to those tax issues, um, there could be um, other um, general issues and visa issues, for example. So what if the individual is going to a country and it's not their home country, so they may not have work authorization? What are the rules in that third country with regard to visas and are they going to be able to obtain work authorized status at that location, um, which often is required even if they're working remotely? We're really dealing with a situation where the law globally and not just in the US, although the US law has not caught up to this remote work, um, the laws globally have not caught up to this new framework where people can work remotely. Um, it's very much focused um, not only in the US, but generally um, on where the individual is um, physically. There are some countries, however, that are taking advantage of the situation and are very welcoming. Um, and there may be options as long as the tax and, and employment law um, issues and immigration laws are considered. There may be certain options to work remotely, but there's a host of issues uh, to be considered. So Jess, what about um, some other countries like Barbados and are there some friendly options? Yeah, so actually um, most of the countries in the Caribbean have kind of um, capitalized on this um, digital nomad concept during COVID. So um, Antigua, Barbados, Aruba, um, the Cayman Islands, uh, all of those places have now programs where you can get a temporary work live authorization for about a year that you can apply for online. Um, in some cases, you know, for a few hundred dollars, some places for a few thousand dollars. And it's a it's a quick process. Um, now, in in all cases, um, it, it is required that you you know be self-employed or at least you know working for a non-local company. So you can't be working for a local company, um, being paid by anyone locally, or rendering services locally. So I mean, it would definitely have to be you know you're, you're self-employed or you keep whatever job situation you have, and you're just physically in another place. Um, you know, there's a number of places in Europe that have these programs too that have sort of always been in place. Um, Spain, uh, Portugal, uh, the Czech Republic, uh, Georgia, Estonia. Um, but now once we start getting into Europe, the process tends to be a little bit more involved, but more importantly, um, you know, there are travel restrictions for Americans and Americans certainly couldn't take advantage of a Portuguese or a Spanish program right now because there's restrictions on travel that way. I mean, and this clearly has been a challenging year. Recently, I, I got a question from a client who is a French national, is currently here in the United States, has a son who's in Canada, hasn't been able to see his son for months because of the restrictions. 
and they recently wanted to fly out to one of the French islands, um, my advice to him uh, was to be certain that these French islands were not considered part of the Schengen area because we've seen confusion at the borders when clients are re-entering. And I, could, I really could not guarantee that he would not face any issues. It feels like the questions that we get about travel have become so much more complicated and go beyond immigration restrictions. There is so much more to keep in mind when traveling, as, as Elise mentioned, uh, including work and tax-related ramifications. It's no longer just a matter of boarding a flight and getting to that country, uh, and there's just a lot more to think about. So, Jessica, um, if you're traveling and you get stuck somewhere, how can we help? What are the implications? Well, uh, you know, I think if you're stuck somewhere and you need to work, um, the first thing that we would want to help with is figuring out um, to what extent you can work wherever you are without authorization. And, you know, I think another thing to keep in mind when traveling for business or for pleasure right now, um, Karuna, what, what you said, um, I think, touched on this. It's not just a matter of getting on the plane to go to X country. You have to look at every place the plane may stop whether you deplane, um, you know, if, if you touch base in a country that's on another country's restricted list, even just in an airport for five minutes, it may mean um, that you can't enter the country you're heading to or that you're going to be quarantined or that there's going to be special restrictions. Um, so, you know, you need to plan ahead to not get stuck, not only to your final destination, but checking on every place that you're going to touch down in between. No, and, and that's a really good point in terms of, you know, I think our message bottom line is we want everyone to try to avoid these issues, right? We don't want people to get stuck abroad. Um, and um, I, I think it's a very thorny issue with a lot of employers right now. Um, you know, it's very hard to restrict people from seeing their families or even recommend that they don't see their families during the holidays. But there could be really, um, really key uh, implications that could implicate their the employee's ability to work. Um, right. It, because of the tax issues, because of the employment issues, potential immigration issues. There are people that could be stuck outside the United States for several weeks or maybe even months um, and not have work authorization or not necessarily have approval from their company to work remotely abroad due to the tax and employment implications. Um, there may be certain things um, that we could do to help. Um, you know, we could coordinate approach with, um, you know, tax counsel and get a review through the company. We could assist with global immigration. Um, but these issues are not easy. And the, the law literally keeps changing constantly. Um, it's very hard um, for us to, to plan. Um, even though, as Jess said, you know, before you ever travel, you need to plan. You need to look at every location. That's the absolute minimum that we recommend. But even if you are very, very good at planning, um, the risk is that the rules can change overnight. And we're seeing that now with more virus spikes. Um, you know, we we kind of took a big sigh of relief uh, a couple of weeks ago when the rates started going down. And I think, you know, travel opened up a little bit more. People felt a little more comfortable. Um, people started going out 
And now the rates are going up again. And a lot of countries are clamping down. Um, so everyone needs to recognize that things literally can change without notice. Well, and so the U.S. consulates, though, same thing um, as the spikes, you know, as it's spiking, the consulates around the world are closing. So even if you might otherwise be OK, you can't get an appointment. Exactly. And it, right now, for many consulates, um, it, the U.S. consulates abroad, they are still way understaffed. So even mm -hmm. if they are technically open, um, the U.S. consulates are very much understaffed at this point. Um, many consulates throughout the world where we're trying to get visas now, um, the process is you need to apply um, for an initial appointment and then request an expedite, although it varies consulate by consulate. Mm -hmm. But regular appointments now are being booked in August and September. We've even seen October. So if you don't get that expedite, you it could be months that you're stuck outside the United States. Um, and the criteria to get an expedited appointment now is actually quite high. Um, so we're seeing issues where people who, who do travel are having a hard time getting into a consulate um, because many of them will need um, some kind of um, waiver of a ban, either the country specific ban um, or there's a lot of folks who are traveling who actually think they're going to apply for their H-1B visa um, when they're abroad. Um, so you've got an H-ban as well. Um, and I think there's there's a lot of information that may not be accurate online. Um, and we have a lot of clients that are calling us saying, well, I read a blog and I know there was someone who was able to get an H-1B visa. I think I can do it. Um, well, maybe that person got the visa, but I think you need to plan very carefully and not think that this is the normal year where you go home during the holidays and you get your H-1 visa. And I know that's the normal process, um, but beware, <laughs> basically. You may not get that visa. You may not be able to get an appointment and you may also be subject to bans. No, you bring up a good point that, you know, just because it worked for someone doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work for someone else because there's just so much uh, that the consulates and, and the officers have to keep in mind. So, so, you know, given that there are so many restrictions and advisories that are always changing, what are some of the resources to check for the latest information? Most countries have pretty up-to-date websites with, uh, you know, the restrictions um, updated on a daily basis. Um, but we can certainly help with with that, um, with, with the local immigration laws, at least traveling, well, obviously traveling to the U.S., but traveling internationally as well, because they are changing so quickly. And in most countries, there are multiple levels of, of issues. I mean, there's, can you get in period? Are you allowed to move around once you're there? Or do you have to quarantine? You know, is there some sort of work authorization? So, you know, it's not just checking one box and then you're good to go. Right. And the interesting thing, too, about the U.S. right now, right? So there's quarantines globally. There, at least in the U.S. right now, there's no mandated federal quarantine. But there's the very interesting situation in the U.S. right now where we've got state-based quarantines and even local or regional quarantines. So we're to the point where we are advising executives who want to come to the United States. They may be able to get the visa. They may be able to get the NIEs and waivers. Um, but if they're coming in for business meetings, they may not be able to meet right away. 
um, based upon various local bans if a conservative approach is taken and they're going to quarantine. Right. So there are now state and local um, recommendations, at least uh, for quarantine. Um, the U.S. is very different than other countries in terms of enforcement, at least at this time. Um, but it, there's a whole uh, realm of issues that need to be thought about for any travel right now. Um, and it is in flux. So I, I know we've you know talked about this um in uh, episode 18, um, you know, what changes do we expect with the Biden administration? Um, so, you know, for, for our listeners, they should definitely listen to that episode. But in closing, Elise, let me ask you, there were a slew of executive orders that were passed one after the other. And there seems to be this misconception that these travel bans will expire on December 31st, 2020, right? So, you know, can you can you elaborate a little bit on that? Is is that really a misconception or will this travel ban expire end of the year? Right. So that that's a fantastic question. The country specific bans um, have no expiration at this point. They will continue to go forward. So the the UK ban, the the, the Schengen ban, China and Brazil are are going forward. Unless um, we see additional pressure from the airlines, um, perhaps to undo some of these travel bans, um, because I think they are very much hurting the, the travel business in the United States. In terms of the bans that expire right now, December 31, um, that relates mostly to the proclamation um, banning the, the H visa holders, the L visa holders, and some J's. Um, where that ends right now on December 31st. Um, the Trump administration could continue that executive order um, and it could be continued. There's nothing stopping the current administration from extending it even past January 20th. Um, so it could be extended further. It's not like the world is going to change overnight come January 20th, right? I think that's what we all need to think about. Um, we also need to kind of think about what the Biden administration is going to do. We have a general sense that the Biden administration is much more open to immigration, much more open to cross-border travel, intercompany transferees, and multinational companies. Um, but it may take time to undo um, what has been done. Um, the other thing we really need to think about is what is going to be their priority from the get-go? There's going to be a lot of work to do for the Biden administration, and are they going to jump on this immediately? Um, the other thing, too, um, is we've had a lot of litigation right now challenging executive orders, right? Um, and so far, um, there has been a fair amount of success, success challenging a lot of executive orders and, and the like. Um, but that could also happen if the Biden administration seeks to undo some of these executive orders by other executive orders. So there's always the risk that any new Biden executive order would need to have a logical basis behind it and a reasoned analysis. Otherwise, it could also be challenged through litigation. Um, so I guess bottom line is the world will not change overnight and um, come January 20th, much as we would all love it to. Um, and we please keep tuned for further podcasts because 
we, as the situations change and things develop, we will have additional podcasts and we will also have updates on our website. If you like this podcast, please give us a five-star rating and a review. If you have questions, please email us at podcast at classcolaw.com with questions you would like answered. Follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Sign up for our emails for the latest alerts and blogs at classcolaw.com. Um, Elise and Jessica, thank you so much. Um, this, was, this was very informative. For more information, visit us at classcolaw.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. You can email your immigration questions to podcast at classicallaw.com. The material contained in this podcast does not constitute direct legal advice and is for informational purposes only. An attorney-client relationship is not presumed or intended by receipt or review of this presentation. The information provided should never replace informed counsel and specific immigration-related guidance.